Welcome to the Ausländer. So, welcome to another episode of The Ausländer. Um, today, I'm really happy to have Parimal here. Um, Parimal, it's original from Kathmandu, Nepal, uh, but actually raised up in Paris, France. Uh, hi, Parimal. Welcome. Hi, hi guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, I have to say... Um, You'll notice that I'm going to interrupt people a lot, not one of my qualities. But um, yeah, I was raised both in Kathmandu and then uh, my adult years in Paris. Nice. Um, yeah, just as a short introduction, Parimal and I actually are currently working while the time of this recording together. Uh, he's also a UX UI designer, another one uh, in this podcast, uh, a lot of UX UI designers. Uh Looking, <laughs> it looks like no, I, no, I, yeah, I bring colleagues. <laughs> no, but it's really funny because um, when we have our um, our video calls, our weeklies, or things like that, it's only the UX designers who've got podcasts and have like studio microphones set, set up. So I think that some people genuinely now think that if you're UX, you need to have a professional sound setup. So that's sort of our fault, I think. Yes, exactly. And maybe think that uh, it's a requirement to have a podcast after being a UX UI designer, but it's true. I mean, <laughs> it's true though. We all know it's, it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, just explain us a little bit like um, you moved from Nepal to France at what age? Um, why this movement? Right. Um, okay. So, so actually, there's there's a country in between the two countries. Mm -hmm. So, after high school, um, and I did the. I don't know. If, I mean, your viewers, your viewers, your listeners, would probably know the British GCSE system. It's sort of the high school diploma um, system. So I did that in Nepal, mm -hmm. and um, so after that, I went to. I had to go to university. Um, I, there weren't very many options in Nepal for someone, uh, someone like me. Uh, and when I say someone like me, uh, it's someone who doesn't really know what he, he wants to do, mm. but certainly not the things that, but it's all not the traditional things, right? If, okay. if my parents were very, very traditional, they'd be very disappointed with me, but they weren't. So it's fine. Um, and so I went to the U S, uh, for university, for college yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, that's a four year program. And I happened to go on a sort of, um, Uh, what do you call that? A study abroad semester. It's a bit like Erasmus, but from the US to mm -hmm. Paris. And then, you know, I went there, enjoyed my six months, said, told myself I'd never, never go back to that university. And then six months later, I joined that same university from the master's program. Um, so okay. that's how that happened. Yeah. So at the age of 18, you moved to the United States when you finalized yeah, exactly. the high school education in, in Nepal. So actually exactly. you grow up with your family until the 18, until you were legally an adult, let's say like this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some would argue I'm not, I'm still not legally, <laughs> legally. Yeah. Not in my mental, so <laughs> mental age is still not an adult, but yeah, sure. Uh, that wasn't my words, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Self burn. I'll do it. I'll do it all by myself. So where did you go in the United States? 
Well, it was actually, um, it was this part of the US, well, the, the region is um, the Northeast, uh, New, New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old England wasn't doing it for me. Uh, so it's New, New England in Massachusetts. Um, so the Western edge of Massachusetts. I know that some people will know this word, Amherst. I didn't live there, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a place called Northampton, um, Amherst, that, that area. There, there, there's, there's, there's like a consortium of five uh, schools and I was I went to one of those schools. Okay, cool. And Very you cold. spent there four years. Yeah, four years. Well, three and a half considering that Good. a part of that time was spent yeah, mm-hmm. in, in France. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And which uh, career did you study in? Well, this is perhaps when I, uh, why I have to explain a little bit um, what sort of college I went to. Um, it's called, I mean, Hampshire College is the name of the college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I mean, the reason I can't answer that question directly is because I didn't go to a college that's a very normal one. So normally you go to a college, you pick a specialty and then you, you study that. Um, okay. I went to a college where you have to design your own course, where there are no grades and, and no exams. So so again for okay. people like me not into the traditional education system so um i studied a number of different things but my final sort of what we called our division three project because we had to come up with new names for everything mm-hmm. uh were, um, it was like split into two foreign languages so french italian and chinese and then um interaction interactive design which sort of led me to what i do now and what okay. you do as well Nice. That's okay. That's a different kind of a traditional university of like, I don't know, you enter a four, core, four years course and you know that you are going to study law or medicine or whatever. So um, why this, this choice? Like <laughs> it's, it's a really variety of, of things like coming from languages to, to something yeah. uh, which might be like either more like uh, design artistic or more like a uh, language based. It's, it's, it's absolutely right. different. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, that's the, one of the critical points. Uh, so, just to give you an idea of where I was, maybe even uh, a couple of months, maybe six months before I officially sort of left uh, and joined the university program, I think. I don't know how, how long it took between the, the time I uh, submitted my applications and got the responses, but mm-hmm. six months, let's say, before I went to university. I went to my the, the principal of my school who also did some sort of college counseling and I told her that I wanted to become an actor <laughs> and wanted to go to the Juilliard school in New York. I mean I didn't say that as if oh I don't I, maybe I'm not going to get in. I said I am going to go there. So I was a very cocky <laughs> little um high school student and I said I want to be an actor. She said why don't you think about it and then tell me you know like so tell me after a week, what do you think? And after two days, I was like, that was a stupid idea. And that kept, that, that went on. I, I had, I wanted to be a graphics, so graphic designer. I wanted to be a 3D artist. I wanted to study theater. I wanted to study physics. I mean, I was really, really all over the place. Mm. Um, but the one thing I knew is that, uh, you know, Nepal is in some ways a very traditional country and sort of, there's this notion that in many countries, you know, you need to sort mm-hmm. of know very early on in life. It, I mean, this is the case in France. Uh, you're, you're meant to know uh, before you enter college what you want to do. In fact, you have to even pick whether you want like the science or the economics and all yeah. that. I couldn't do that. I mean, was it like that for you when you were young? Yeah, it was actually uh, in Spain. 
And in Catalonia, the system works more or less the same. So it actually, uh, when you are 16, actually, you already choose uh, for the last two years if you want to go to the scientific, technological, uh, artistical branch or everything. And that will give me give you more possibilities to enter the university right. depending on the career also. So yeah, yeah. I mean, right. so, I, I, I completely understand you. I did a scientific uh, two, one year technological, another year to end doing a design uh, university career. So yeah, I, I, I completely understood, understand that the, the being 16, 18 years old and having no idea what you really want to do at that point of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I wasn't, wasn't able to sort of, sort of pick a, pick a route. And also I didn't really like sort of the, traditional system of, of, of education. I mean, I was very lucky to be able to do the sort of the British GCSEs because uh, the courses were a little more open, but still they were, they were exam driven and I'm a terrible, terrible exam taker. Uh, oh, that's my excuse. Because I might just be really you know, bad at studying in general, but, but I, I thought, you know, I thought I'm quite interested in things. I'm, I'm very interested and curious to learn about things. And somehow the education system was telling me that's not how you learn that you need to sort of pass these exam, uh, exams and then and then sort of, you know, uh, based on your grades, you have certain options. And yeah. that idea just didn't make any sense to me. So I was very drawn to sort of what we call liberal arts colleges where this notion that uh, to be a good scientist, you also need to be uh, good in the humanities. So learning poetry could actually help you become a better mathematician, for example. And, and, and I like that sort of cross-disciplinary sort of very... Um, mixed environments and and that was exactly what the university course was like so you know I was studying uh, in my first year crime writing because one of the things I wanted to do as a kid was also be a writer yeah nice so yeah so it was yeah so that's sort of why I picked that hip I mean what was really quite literally a hippie school so (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, it was okay so well, like when I when I imagine hippie school, I imagine other things. But yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, it had all the other things as well. It was set up in the seventies, and okay. it was it was literally a hippie school. Woodstock and a lot of marijuana. Uh, <laughs> that was exactly what the school was like. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so you you said that actually in Nepal you were following like the British uh, system. Does it mean that you also had like school in English or? Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. uh, all of my schooling from, from since I was, um, since I, since my kindergarten actually has always been in English. So the only subject that, that, that was taught in Nepali, which sort of is the official language of the country and technically my mother tongue, uh, is, is, is Nepali. That's the only subject mm-hmm. taught in, in, in Nepali, but the British, uh, I have to specify that the British part of the education. So, when I say British, it was not just the British curricul- curriculum, which was mm-hmm. the case, but also my exam papers were sent to Britain to be to be marked. Oh, okay. so they were, so it yeah. was like it was a really like a kind of British school, like in that well, sense. Well, not not really because there was a British school, but that's like an actual British school. Ours mm-hmm. was was actually a very Nepalese school, but I mean, when you are part of the GCSE system. Oh, in our case, it was the IGCSE, so the International mm. General Certificate for Secondary Education or something. Um, that's how it worked. And uh, okay. so the teachers were, I mean, a mix of local and from other countries. 
Um, but that was the system. It was a very sort of well-defined system. And, uh, and, and, and that was British. So when I say the history of the Second World War, it was very much a British point of view. Oh, yeah. um, whatever that means. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we we learned the Spanish one and it's, uh, oh no, we didn't participate in the Second World War. So yeah, sure. Um, no, no, it was fair. We had other fair. problems at that point of time. Yeah, I heard uh, about it. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I just asked the question because, uh, as you know, in this podcast, one of the topics that normally pops up, uh, it's when you are in like the first movement that you do, because you've been in three countries, actually, you've been to, to USA, you then went to France for the master and stayed in France for, for quite a long time. And now you're actually living in Berlin, in, in Germany. Um, but the first step, so the first country that you go normally one of the topics that always raise up it's the language and in your right. case you went to the united states of course the kind of accent or the um variation <laughs> or dialect change of course but you speak uh, yeah. english so you already were speaking the language so that was an advantage i suppose well it it was but also i have to say that um the american i mean there is no american english to per se but there are so, sort of certain words and certain ways of talking sort of intonations that that are very specific to to america and um i mean i, I mean even though there wasn't like like you mentioned there was it was an advantage to actually be able to speak the language already um i mean there were, <laughs> there were a couple of cases where i would say use a word like torch to mean a flashlight mm -hmm. and people would be imagining sort of sticks with with fire like flames in them um indiana which didn't jones. help because i can't yeah i yeah, know indiana jones i wish it didn't help the, i mean the fact that i came from nepal because they might have thought well maybe that's what he had in nepal i don't know and but like oh, oh when i said the words like dustbin you know they're like what's a dustbin i was like well you know well I, then i learned to say a, a trash can like garbage yeah. like trash can or a garbage i i mean i still can't i mean what garbage can i don't know maybe a trash can is the right word. So yeah, I had to learn this dialect and, and, you know, but I enjoy it. I enjoy that. I, I used to have a much thicker American accent. Uh, I've um, lost it over the years. Um, I'm not going to say thankfully. I just did. Whoops. <laughs> well, actually I, I know I've, I've, I've seen you talking both and, and you have a quite a, a tricky way of, of languages. I mean, I know that you know quite a lot of languages, but in, in English, I I've seen you being able to change from one accent to the other rather easily. So, so that's, that's quite cool. I mean, I suppose you have the base of, uh, growing up with English in school. You yeah. went to the American uh, style of school uh, of, uh, university. So you were able to learn another accent. Um, but I wanted to ask because you put in there some other languages that are really non-related, like, uh, Chinese, uh, where You're does right, yeah. this come from <laughs> Italian? Oh, I mean, yeah. French, if you went in France, uh, I don't know, there was an idea of going to France. Maybe yes, maybe not. Uh, why these three languages? Ah, uh, good question. Um, I have to say all of them are purely by chance. I mean, so now, right. So if I, if I start from now and go back now my two main languages are english and french mm -hmm. so uh, english is the one i speak most of the time uh the one i'm the most comfortable with except when i'm talking about food and wine then it's french 
right? Uh, and and there are certain things in which a case I stigma. Just, I mean, <laughs> sorry. No, but you 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 can't you can't. I mean, you can't say like if you say I don't know, uh, pavé de saumon uh, uh, avec uh, son écrasé de pommes de terre. It sounds so lovely, right? So the same thing would be in English. Would just be uh, salmon with with um, mashed potatoes, right? It doesn't sound that good, you know. Right, it doesn't sound. Also, okay, yeah. Forella, also, wie heißt Also, Salmon, how do you say Salmon in, in German? Actually, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, it would be something like, let's say Forella, which is which is the, a similar fish. Lachs. Trout, trout. It's Lachs. Lachs, ja, danke. Yeah, so, so also Lachs mit uh, Kartoffelpüree. Actually, it sounds better in German than it does in English. So that's where we are at, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the... So as a kid, I—I uh, I mean, the reason I, I studied French is because I went to l'Alliance Française, uh, the, the the sort of the language institute, I suppose, the cultural institute that France has in Kathmandu. They have it all over the world, and I had a choice between learning French, Spanish, and uh, I believe it was German at the time. Mm-hmm. I had some time after, sort of after after high school and before my university, and I went to visit different sort of language institutes, and I picked French purely because it has a, had a bistro and you could drink while you studied or after, after your classes. And so that's the only reason I picked French. It's, it's, it's purely by chance. It could have been German, could have been Spanish. I, I could have, you know, I mean, decided being, to go to Barcelona. Being honest, it sounds so Spanish and so German to be drinking while doing other things. Um, <laughs> but yes, it was the French Institute doing it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, come on. I mean, you know, like, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there's, there's quite a, uh, excellent alcoholic drinks in France as well. So anyway, so, uh, that's the reason I, I, I decided to learn French and, um, Chinese was because I never knew what to do in the summers in the U S because everyone goes home, don't they? And you don't know what to do. So I got a, someone said, oh, well, you could go to China to learn Chinese. Uh, and I, and I applied sort of on a whim got accepted and got a scholarship. So the only thing I had to pay for was housing in China, which is not very expensive. They pay for my education and my flights. And so, yeah, I just went to China to learn Chinese two summers. That's, I mean, there's long? no literally uh, two summers. I spent two summers and I continued learning it in the U S so one or two months in, in summer. Oh, it was uh, yeah. So it was uh, a month uh, in 2019, a month in 2010. And between those two, And then after that, in the U.S., I just continued uh, learning Chinese, all Crazy. of which I am very happy to um, happy to report I've forgotten completely. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's one of these languages that are, uh, if you don't practice them and you don't see it often, I mean, it's not that you will never interact with, if you are in Germany, you never interact with French or Italian, for example, you will have colleagues or whatever, but yeah. It's it's rather difficult that you end interacting. Well, in technology, actually not. But but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I suppose if you don't uh, train the language, it, you end losing it. You lose it, yeah. Great. Um, yeah, just quick introduction of the drink. Uh, I do this from time <laughs> to time, as you said that the uh, alcoholic behavior, that the alcoholic behavior of choosing French only because you could drink afterwards. Uh, <laughs> We are drinking uh, old-fashioned. Um, yeah, it's an old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. Um, yeah, actually, it has been a really you... long time until I didn't drink this. But yeah. All right. 
I mean, it's it's a very old person drink, isn't it? It's not it's not it's not the hip crowd, right? You're not gonna make you're not gonna get into like the most hip clubs because you drink old fashioned. Um, but what do you what do you think? Do you do you like it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's and a strong drink, let's say like this. So I yeah. would I would have two of them maximum in in a row. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the, the drink's got an interesting history because. Um, you know, in the, in the past, it used to be made with actual sugar cubes and, and no ice, obviously, you know, with stones and stuff. And it's evolved now. But what I like about it is it's such a simple, basic drink and very basic flavors, Angostura bitters, whiskey, and... Um, yeah, and If, yeah, if and you are syrup. in a country where Angostura is easy to find, <laughs> you're okay. If you are yeah, in no, Greece, yeah, you're right. like... Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's not, it's not, you don't, you don't find it in the supermarkets. I have to go to uh, like a yeah, of course. special, yeah, special place. Laker store. Um, yeah. Great. Um, I think United States was like the university time. So I need to ask this question now. And go on then. Any crazy story during university in United States that you remember, like, okay, this is a highlight. Uh, Oh gosh, I mean, the, the problem is that there are too many, aren't they? I mean, well, I've got to say that the 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 whole thing was was a highlight in the sense that when I say I went to hip, hippie school, I, I don't sort of, I, I mean, that's quite that's just fact in the sense of you know you mentioned um, Woodstock and marijuana, mm. uh, that's literally I mean most of my most of my uh, well I suppose classmates not really classmates but most of the other students. Uh, were I mean it's a very strange place. It was very most of the people who studied there were quite rich. I mean, there's no other way of saying it because normally the cost of instruction there in America, as you know, for a private school is extremely extremely high. Uh, if you don't have a scholarship, um, you know, luckily I did. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't have a scholarship, then you, you're paying about fifty thousand dollars per month yeah. per, per not per month per year, per year. Uh, and that's a lot of. And so, so the kind of hippies that this college drew um were very sort of quite well-off hippies so it's a very bubble essentially it's a very bubble crowd um but very very much into sort of the like I knew, I knew one guy you know absolutely fascinating and he uh would go around uh barefoot um and and he has a, he paid for a dorm room right so one of the college housing mm-hmm. he never used it he slept in the woods because I mean, it's quite rural he slept in the woods I mean, literally camped out in the woods, even though he'd paid for a room, right? And then he would go out and then and then every time we would meet up, um, we would discuss philosophy. So he liked, I believe he liked uh, Nietzsche and and well, I don't know, I don't know if he said mentioned Satro. I don't know who he li- whom he liked because I didn't I, I didn't really know much about philosophy at the time. And we would discuss philosophy with with this with this gentleman, I use the word uh, carefully, uh, who lives in the forest. I mean, I, it sounds mad and it sounds like I'm making this up, but this was quite normal no, back no, in the day. It's just like, it's just like the kind of thing that you, you can imagine like in a bag and so big uh, and randomly country as the United States to happen, to be honest. Like, um, yeah. Yes, there is this kind of college uh, feeling of hippie and uh, whatever everywhere. But I suppose, and I knowing how Americans that, I mean, how things are in America, that everything it's big, like everything that happens in America, it's multiplied per 10. Uh, right. 
I can yeah, imagine no, that that's that that was quite a shock. <laughs> yeah, but I do have one. <laughs> I do have one uh, anecdote because that was not really an anecdote. Mm-hmm. I remember the so we when you join a uni- uh, college or university, like in anywhere in the world, you have this orientation day or orientation week. Yeah. So I went to the international students orientation week, which was uh, a week before the the American students came in, uh, presumably because you'd need the additional time to adapt to American life. Uh, which was a good idea, I think. Um, but, 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 but. Um, so when we have the initial orientation thing, you meet people from all over the world. And, you know, the usual where you're from, Czech Republic, China, you know, everywhere. It's such an exciting time, really. You're meeting people from all around the so world. You had quite a few international people around or? It was a very small group uh, compared to the, you know, it was inter- the international body was not as big as, mm-hmm. in, you know, uh, okay. other universities. But, but it was yeah, people from all over the world, really. And um, and so, all right, we got got to know each other, and then and then um, the Americans came, um, and that we I don't think I was really prepared for that because and Americans are, I'm generalizing obviously whenever you start a sentence like that are so lovely, they're curious, they're lovely, and 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 they're so open to talking to you, and mm-hmm. they they ask you questions, and you know it's not you know I'm not like that as a person, I'm I'm I talk a lot, but. Um, but often, often I'm very sort of. But I'm not lovely. I, I, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't do small talk without some, somehow like making someone awkward or offending someone. But and yeah, the thing you, is, uh, yeah. <laughs> what? No, no, no. It just uh, uh, so it's yeah. more like this chit chatting. You don't chit chat. You go to to yeah. kill the other. I, exactly. <laughs> I I my my opening sentence could be, "What do you think about death?" Which apparently is not how you start. Senses in the social setting, I've learned. So, I mean, sense. not in the United States, definitely. No, no, not in America <laughs> in any case. And so I remember we were playing these. So now, now I'm on my second orientation week, but now with everybody, right? International okay. and um, American. And so, uh, and, and, and the Americans. And so we've got this game where we're sort of going around introducing ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but we don't say things about ourselves. We just give hints. Eventually, we, I start talking to this, to this guy. Uh, I, let's call him Zach. It's a very American name. I like it, Zach. <laughs> so I, I, and, and Zach, you know, you like, know also Zach, where are you sorry, from? Sorry, yeah, but you know yeah. that Zach in German means the uh, scrotum of the balls. Yeah, yeah, okay. it does. It does. Yeah, no, I, I didn't pick it for that reason because <laughs> I'll, you, you'll see in a while that he's he was absolutely lovely. So don't listen to him, Zach. You're, you're, you've got a lovely name. Uh, don't listen to the mean host. But um, no, the thing is, so we're talking, and uh, he's like, okay, so so Zach, where are you from? Like, I'm from. Uh, I'm from Wisconsin or wherever, right? It's like he says where he's from. It's like, oh, so where, he, he asked me, so, so where are you from? And I say, um, I'm uh, from Nepal. He's like, right, Nepal. So like you're Italian. <laughs> no, shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, um, I, I, I genuinely had a loss. For, I, I thought, I, at first I thought he was being sort of silly, right? Um, but then that moment continued and yeah, that was, I didn't really know how to respond. I think, I think I said, yes, yes, I am. I'm Napoli, Nepal, Nepalitano. Exactly. It's Nepal and Napoli. Yeah? The, the, the yeah. confusion came from here. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It's fair though. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Well, I, I remember <laughs> once in United States, in North Carolina, that a kid, I was also a kid. And when they asked me where, where I was from, and I said from Barcelona, they asked me how did I cross the border? No, they did not. Yes, did they? Yeah. The border? What border? 
because they thought I was from South America. So oh gosh, oh wow, they thought I was an an illegal immigrant, and oh <laughs> because wow. I speak Spanish. So yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, well, but yeah, that was I a mean, kid. That was a that was a kid. kid. That was a that kid. was like yeah, I yeah. don't know, a All ten right. years old kid. So <laughs> that's no, it's good. But, it's good. I, I like it. I'm for these sort of things. I, I really enjoy them. Okay, now from now on, I will I will ask you if you are from Napoli. Uh, <laughs> I can't do the the, the the Napoli accent, unfortunately. Nobody can besides the. Napoli. It's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. With with enough alcohol, I think even that can be. Yeah, that can be fixed. <laughs> so, um, I think we will rather just uh, jump to to France. And yeah. first question, as you said, you were going there for six months first for like a kind of Erasmus program, even if it was not the Erasmus program, because of course you were coming from yeah. the United States. So it was not a European uh, exchange. Mm. Did you go directly to Paris or? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was an exchange actually. Um, so the Erasmus students who, who wanted to come to, wanted to go to the United States, mm -hmm. Uh, went to our college, so they were actually on there. What well, in uh, the Sciences Po, which is the the university I went to, they called Troisa, so it's the third year, troisième année. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sciences Po, if you study there, you have to go abroad on in, on your third year. It's just mandatory. sort of a requirement, mandatory. Oh, okay. Yes, Crazy. it's um yeah, it's it's part of sort of uh, having a student. So because you know Sciences Po is sort of quite an elite sort of college, isn't it? I mean, it's okay. the, it's the college where Pretty much every single French president has has either studied or or taught at or or, or failed from, which is typically the case of Sarkozy uh, and and uh, he failed English. Um, I don't know why I mentioned that. Anyway, but uh, it's 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 a fun sort of thing. Nobody, no worries at all. Yeah, <laughs> this this game's <laughs> political sometimes, so no worries. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's all right then. Um, and so yeah, and they were on the uh, Troisa to the United States. Mm -hmm. And then that allowed us to go send some people to the, to, to, to Paris. And, okay. and I went there and it was very intense. I mean, the undergraduate program, right. Uh, was, and I, and I, 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 I always spoke some French, uh, at that time because I'd studied it, studied it. So throughout my, my, uh, college years in, in the United States. So I spoke what I thought I spoke French and then I landed in Paris and they don't talk the way, you know, you're taught. In fact, the way I speak now, French now, is perhaps not very uh, right. comprehensible to someone. Yeah, you know, it's, it's now it's full of slang, right? Like now I, I speak the Parisian slang, but at, at the time when I arrived, I didn't. And so that year was not very easy because when you don't speak the language perfectly, it's very hard to integrate into sort of social, social groups and things like that. Yeah. So when I first went to Paris, yeah, that was the case. I actually that's a curious thing that I think it happens rather normally like uh, to absolutely everywhere um that you're learning a language in a formal way uh, yeah. uh you learn Italian in a school or you learn German in a school and then you go to to that country and of course the people doesn't talk the British that you learn in school, the, it's not how, if you go to Newcastle, they will speak. So no, certainly not Newcastle. Definitely not. And, and that's something that it's really, really interesting. And it's just like, there is people speaking like perfect academic uh, language. Right. But 
you might arrive to that country of the language that you speak and then it's not mm, you are not able to communicate as as fluently you know i mean i always put the same example and i think i, I never speak a language good enough until i can make a joke and someone laugh of, of yeah, it yeah <laughs> absolutely and it's it's rather it's rather a mark in there no like i i had a little bit of the opposite actually like the languages that I speak, I think I, I don't speak any language academically properly. Uh, so I only speak slang of all the languages that I know. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And, but yeah, it's, it's really curious. So, so you really encounter this because I, I, and this maybe it's because of being in the frontier, being Catalan and being in the frontier with French. I really had the sensation that sometimes with France, it's even more high this level. So they are really, really um, exquisite in the in the language sense. They are really strict on speaking mm. and really strict on um, if they don't understand you, they don't understand you. On period, you know, like yeah, no, absolutely. I think you know now it's it's interesting to compare my experience of when I first arrived to now. Because now I'm in this very odd situation of have of having now become French, which also means I have inherited not just sort of the the linguistic tendencies, but also the uh, the perception of sort of uh, of being quite arrogant, uh, which is was my initial perception as well. But now I understand that to be. I mean, don't even get me started about like selecting wine in France. I went to so in Germany. Sorry, in Germany, I went to a restaurant recently. This is unrelated, by the way. I'm just going off. I went to a restaurant and this is always the case. I say, I ordered a meal and I say, okay, what do you recommend? Um, and then, oh, I say, what do you have? And they say, we have white or red. Oh, I was like, okay, so what red wines do you have? This is this. And I was like, well, you know, I, I like this kind of wine. What you, yeah, what do you recommend? And they're like, well, what do you like? Well, I mean, okay, so this is what I'm looking for. I was like, ah, okay, I don't really know. <laughs> Come on. No, but anyway, uh, this, again, I, I know I sound pretentious. Uh, that, again, that was part of one of the requirements for, for getting the French nationality. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, the, it's the, officially a test. They, they send the sommelier to your place and yeah, they you, need to, you need to be good at selecting wines. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but I literally talked about cheese in my interview in really? my national. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I think I got it immediately after that. After that. Um, but anyway. So, um, but what, what it is, is, you know, a lot of people, when they go to France, they think that, um, you know, if they try to speak French, uh, usually people respond in English. Uh, and even if you have a certain level, even if your French might technically be better than a French person's English, they will probably insist sometimes on speaking to you uh, in English. However, really? if you're in a group situation, yeah, actually, they, I mean, it's one of two things can happen. Uh, well, one, either... People, if you're in a group situation, everyone will just speak in French. I mean, they might that's, say one or two things in English. Yeah, everything will be in French. It's rather normal. I mean, it's French people and you are the only person who is not uh, speaking French. That's the case. Yeah, but the whole reason I, I decided to learn German was I had the opposite experience where I was, you know, celebrating New Year's in, in Leipzig and, uh, you know, a group of German people and I was there and they switched, all of them switched to English just because I was there. Yeah, you know what I mean? I it's mean, very. They were Berliners. Berlin, it's not Germany. We are already also talking correct. Well, this Leipzig. podcast about Le Leipzig. This. Ah, Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, but, but still, it's a yeah. I mean, yeah, a university, I, and so yeah. I, I suppose it's a cultural thing, but I, 
Well, I, I meant like I, I had the experience in Paris, for example, to try to talk with someone in French, in my potato potato French. And your French is quite good, I have to say. No, it's not. I mean, but no, but you can, I mean, I can understand when you speak French. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, of course <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's potato potato. Um, <laughs> right. The thing <laughs> of trying to go there and then they, okay, they try to respond me in French and I am not able to talk anymore or I directly go with English and they say, okay, I don't, I, I just speak French and, and I don't switch. Ah. And even people that speaks English doesn't want to switch to French. That's my experience in Paris. Um, okay. And I must say All right. it's a Parisian. It's a thing that it happened in Paris. It's of course it happens in other places, but, yeah. but in Paris, I, I had like this, uh, feeling of it and now you're saying quite the opposite that the people yeah. were rather willing to talk in english so it's it's surprising for me okay so no I, and i have to nuance uh nuance it a little bit i mean i went to a school where everyone had studied abroad so mm. keep that in mind right so the university okay. setting on the streets you're right it is the opposite and the reason well well some people think that's you know because what's going to happen sometimes is people say no i don't speak english and then you sort of push them and even though there might be a very strong accent, you realize maybe the vocabulary is not that bad. You're thinking, well, so you do speak English, uh, but there's this French mentality. It's very, very, it's very present in the French psyche to not do something unless you're very, very good at it or near perfect at it, the right? Excellence. Exactly. And, but it's, it's not a very positive thing. I mean, I taught English in France and people would not speak English because they were worried about making mistakes. And I said, well, you're not, you're never going to learn English if you're worried about making mistakes, because, you know, I mean, the native, native speakers make mistakes all the time. It, bo- it, it annoys me, but what doesn't? Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's really like, so in, in France, it's like people don't want to speak in English, not because they're arrogant. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people who are arrogant like anywhere else in the world, but it's because they're worried that their, their English is not good enough. That's so I think, there is the main perfectionism. Problem. Uh, exactly society let's say like they really want to excellent on on the on the thing that they are speaking and then they they just really want to speak that language properly before even trying to to speak it yeah but but that's that's a, that's a big problem because you never perfectionate it you never perfectionate the language until you start speaking it so mm. well you and i are similar in the sense of I, just, I think we just throw ourselves into it i mean you know like we've spoken to each other in well, obviously in English, uh, we've done German, we've done French, and I believe we've done Italian mm. um, in various states of inebriation. And, uh, and I don't think we care. We've reached a point where if you are able to understand, because, you know, to be, let's be honest, most of the things we say, not that important. <laughs> it's, it's not Especially that important. Especially when we are drunk, definitely. Exactly. The, 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 yeah, yeah the, 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 the core of what we're saying is not that important. It's perhaps the the spirit that's important in both senses of the word. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just a different perspective, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see it, that it's not like a kind of personal thing. It's, it's happening in a society. It's happening in a cultural way and, and yes. it's, and it's happening and it affects socially wise, absolutely every individual on, on this fact. Yeah. Of course, there is exceptions in everything and there is nobody exact to, to the rule. No, let's say like this. Um, just making a little bit of turnaround, like uh, let's leave the languages out uh, for, for a while. Yeah. How did it happen that you went for six months 
was your plan theoretically to to go back to the United States? That was your idea, uh, and then yeah. somehow happened that you stayed in Paris. Or oh gosh, it's it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm, this this spot genuinely embarrasses me because so I went to Sciences Po. Uh, you know, again a very very reputed college. I didn't enjoy it. I hated it. Mm. It was very very much like the education system in Nepal very much exam based grades based uh and it just wasn't my thing but i loved the people you know it's and i loved being in paris and i thought that i could relate more to uh lifestyle the mentality of people in paris than i than i could in my little town in america mm. and and definitely more than i mean i could relate to people in america more than i could relate to people in nepal which is a bit strange but that was the reality And then I could relate to people in Paris more than I could relate to the people in, in, in the US. Okay. And in a, in a very strange way, because Paris infuriated me, the way people behaved, the way people, you know, it was, it was this very odd thing of being like, I, I, I hate you, but damn it, you're cool. You know, <laughs> something like that. And well, how old um, were you at that point of time? You were 22? Oh, I mean, too old to have these thoughts. Yeah, yeah. 20, 22, 23. I, no, I no, yeah. Not too old or yeah. like okay, man. Like I don't know, trendy, vibing, big city. You were coming from the United States, rather in a small town. You're uh, saying rural. There were cows. I could actually okay. hear cows at, at night. So yeah. coming from a rural to a city like Paris, which is big for a city, it's not a yeah United States big city, but. Mm, I mean, of course, the cosmopolitan vibe it's different than the rural one. So. Absolutely, I I think you're right. Actually, that 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 might have played a huge role in it. But also, it was very very. I mean, well, I think what happened was that you know I I, I said at the end of those six months I would love to come back to Paris, but I wouldn't. I don't want to go back to this university. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to the United States after that, and I was just obsessed with France. I I, I you know I I directed more of my studies, my courses, to be about France. And so, um, so, sorry, yeah. Yeah, but. When this this chronologically happened, so you went six months and then you needed to go back to United States for to, one year to finalize. Ah, so it's exactly. was still remaining one year to to finalize exactly. the college. So you went exactly. back for one year, okay, and yeah. then you you get obsessed then, with France. Yeah, and my plan after that one year was I I, I was a, I was really into the startup scene at the time. I wanted to launch a startup, and you know, it was this was you know twenty twenty twelve, right? So you had. IPOs, you had this, you know, like Steve Jobs was, well, at that time dead, but he was alive a bit earlier. Uh, and I was really into that thing. I wanted to go into the tech world and, and you know, change the world and make a difference. Um, essentially, exactly what I hate now, right? <laughs> and, um, but then, so I was applying to all these, all these uh, places like Duolingo was, you know, uh, startups like that. But in the back of my head, I always thought, well, you know, Duoling maybe I don't care. wasn't a startup at that point of time. It was, it was, it was. Yeah, I applied. Yeah, I, I, I applied. It was. It was like a, it was not very well known, and I applied uh, to be uh, the graphic designer there. I don't think I had the skills, to be honest. So I didn't really get it. I, I mean, fair play. But then, but then at the back of my head, I, I said, well, maybe what I really, really miss is to go to France. I didn't know how it was going to happen because, of I only applied to one master's program, mm -hmm. just because I, I thought I just why not. Right. Uh, and then when I got in, I called my dad and I said, well, I've gotten in and it was not the plan at all to go to France. Um, and he's like, oh, cool. Then you're going. 
aren't you? I said, well, it depends on the scholarship situation because, you know, we don't, I don't have the money to go to France. And then I got the scholarship as well. And then I, I told my dad, I don't know what to do, which was a very stupid question. And he's like, what do you mean? You don't know what to do. You're, you're going to France. And, and that's how it happened. So I ended up back in the same university for a master's program in, in communication. Okay. And, so, yeah. but, but you said you, you never will go back to the same university and you applied for a master in the same university. Life, so my friend, is, is full of contradictions. There is, there is no other universities in France or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, being, being, um, having been an undergraduate uh, or having been there gives you an advantage that they know you. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I, I mean, it's not like I didn't like the courses. I like the people and the environment there. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, and this master's program looks a bit rock and roll. Communications, you know, international. What was it? Um, what was it? Um, it was yeah communication it was communication um political communication it was digital the communication was starting at the, at the time so unrelated okay. to ux ui yeah so communication in, in terms of general communication like in yeah how to how to communicate the specific things in specific sectors or well i mean most people went on to become so like strategic planners at agencies or, or, or okay. um, uh, chef de the uh, project managers at mm -hmm. uh, at agencies, and uh, but thankfully because of my my history with interactive design, I went into UX quite by chance as well. Most of the things that have happened in my life have been by chance. So well, I think <laughs> that that's a pattern on everyone's life in general. Yeah, actually, yeah. But but yeah, so that's that 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 was the situation in France, and and I went back there, and um, yeah, and I I just felt. A home there. Paris became my home. Cool. Sounds nice. So with this Paris became my home, I will propose to you to grab another drink. Uh, I, I was gonna back. say actually. Just sounds like a plan. We come back. All now. right. Cheers. So yeah, we are back. Um, <laughs> we we're just talking about um, your master and how did you end. Applying yeah. to the same university that you didn't want to go and <laughs> say like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why the reason why it was because you were liking Paris and you were liking the people and you were liking the people in the university. It was more about the academical uh, portfolio or approach on the studies exactly. that you were not that agree with. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was exactly that. Um, and luckily this, well, luckily, um, this master's program was, I mean, I I loved it, but it was <laughs> academically not very rigorous. It was a, like, you know, they've got like the academic masters and a professional masters mm. or professionalizing masters. So that's, that's what they called it in French anyway. Um, so it was very, I mean, it was extremely um, uh, sort of industry focused. So it wasn't academically challenging, uh, which, you know, you you could see as a negative But I saw it, saw it as a positive because it allowed, gave me more time to spend with other people and get to know the city, which was really my goal. Uh, it wasn't really to learn communication. So it worked out. I'm not really doing a very good sort of advert for the program. <laughs> no, definitely not. But I mean, you end communicating with the city if everything is communication. Um, that, that is, that's a very easy out. I like that. <laughs> so the master was... One, two years? Two years, yeah. It was a two years with... I mean, it was a year and a half because the last um, six months was an internship, wasn't it? So, yeah. Okay, so you... you no, no, I mean, the internship... is part of the two years. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a, the, it's called uh, stage de fin d'étude. And stage de fin d'étude just means like the last six months are spent. I mean, it's a choice. You don't have to do it. I did it. You can also just do the stage between the first and second years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and do, I forget the word for it. It's a, uh, there was there was a term for that uh, when you break it up and split it into two. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get it over with and then, you know, make money. <laughs> Paris was bloody expensive, man. I wanted yeah, money. It's, it's an expensive yeah. city, definitely. Very, so, yeah. So the last six months of, so you made a year and a half and then six months that it was like internship, internship practice, uh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the first time I actually I professionally worked in it uh, in sort of the uh, in the capacity of a, a UX designer uh, or in that case I was a UI designer. Okay. Um, so you so yeah. you entered from a communication master into a UI um, position. From a, not technically from, from a person who doesn't know what UI means. It's more like the visual part of the design, digital design. Let's say like this. Exactly. So I, I was essentially doing sort of the visual design of uh, websites, essentially at the time. Okay. But I didn't. The, the role wasn't even UX or UI. It was just uh, what was it? It was a digital, digital uh, planner. I mean, it didn't really have a, a very fixed title. I'll be honest with you. The the, the person who owned the agency was one of my teachers. <laughs> that's, that's how always, I got the internship. That's, that's always something that happens in the masters yeah. and the universities, definitely. Um, yeah great so you were saying i will not go back to to that university but you Uh, were already in love with paris and the ways of doing Paris at that point of time so did you kind of knew that you will stay there for a long time and it was your objective to stay in france no 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 not at all not at all i i i um expected to stay there and then you know figure things out like i wanted to work there obviously you know spend some time in paris mm-hmm. but certainly my goal if you, if you had told the younger me sort of you're going to spend you know nine years in paris and become french um you know I, i would have laughed at the idea because it was so removed from reality um but that's what ended up happening of course um i, I just stayed i mean i loved it What happened? You enter this six months uh, internship, and then what? You you just continued in that same company? You switched? no, I didn't. I didn't. No, I switched. I I I um because it was actually the six months were not, if I remember correctly, the six months were not the last six months. It was the it was six months, and I had six months of courses left. It was the first yeah. part of the last year, so yeah. I had to go back and you know go back to my courses. I finished it. And got a job at a at a company called Neuron at the time. Um, I say at the time because the company doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and then there, that that was my first official UX position as a full time person. And I started working there. And you know, the work environment is where really you get to know real society. Sort of real because you know before that it was it was very much a student sort of world. I mean, mm-hmm. already the internship was a good start, but. You know, there's a difference when you're an intern and you're a full-time employee. And I, I just sort of, you know, uh, I, I mean, my, it was interesting because I'm, most of my friends, my really close friends were international. I mean, to the mm-hmm. point where my, the flatmate that I live with now is a flatmate mate I met at my university in France. In France so he, we went to the same, yeah. So by chance, again, that seems to be the pattern. We now live in the same building, house, <laughs> apartment thing. Uh, but um, so you know, I, I had a mix of very international friends from my university, and then friends. You so I started to make through work, and 
and then you discover another side of French culture, the side of French culture that's very bon vivant. Uh, you know, it's you, you, you know, the good, the food, the the right. jokes, the the yeah, yeah. Uh, the language, the, the conversation. You know that that comes after. Okay, so it just evolved to something like okay from from the student life uh which is student life at the end i completely agree with that like you are a little bit more like free or you are a little bit more like less binded to to thing or you pay less attention to more stable stuff like a good exact conversation or a good whatever you then start working in in paris yeah you, and this became nine years of your life so it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not a short time um, no it was like only like at, at any point you were thinking okay i i just want to go i mean not, not right now you're in germany so at some point you thought yeah. that you wanted to move somewhere else um but we will come to that later um um what made you stay in france for for nine years oh gosh that's um you know i told my friends that i would move to berlin i think about six years ago i told my <laughs> friends because I, i i love the city and and so, quite a few of my friends had moved here um and you know initially i didn't as to be honest initially there were lots of things about paris i didn't like but you know you once you grow up there you know you spend so much time there that you your that that becomes your home and for someone i mean you can relate to this who's lived in multiple places you know home does not have the same meaning as you know the place where you came from it's where you feel the most comfortable and that became paris over time and um i mean i mean i'm going to turn the question around how, how, what's the city that you've lived in for the longest apart from apart from you know the, the city of your birth um Yeah, then I suppose it will be Barcelona. Uh, And that was how many years? That was five, less than five years, four, three, four years. Was okay, three, four years? But I bet even in those three, four years, whilst you were there, you felt very, very much at home. Or not? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean <laughs> but but the thing is that I was coming from a situation where I was not feeling comfortable in the city that I was was before. So I was already ah. esca- escaping more or less uh, from from a city from not from a city itself from a, from a situation where I was well, where I needed to change. So yeah, Barcelona was uh, already. I, I think from the first. I mean, I was already studying in Barcelona before going to live to Barcelona. So I had already mm. my life in there so it's a little bit different but yeah i mean i eventually considered my home in frankfurt uh, over right. in germany over that years i eventually will consider athens uh, my home probably yes yeah. um yeah I, i completely understand that that once you consider your a place your home it's much more difficult to break with it because there is much more things that they are binding you to that place that's that's normal that's what the human connections yeah. at the end does no like friends yeah, yeah, exactly. job or whatever but you're right no but you're right i, I mean in fact what well, the biggest thing i mean i love i mean actually I, i genuinely love my job which is not i mean it was it's very you know it's a position of privilege to be able to say that but it was true i absolutely loved my job i i looked forward to go, going to work i mean obviously there were projects i didn't really enjoy 
Um, like everywhere, I, like everyone, yeah. Like everywhere, yeah. But I genuinely like my job, and even the one before, the one you know. Now we now we're mm. colleagues, but but even the one I left, um, you know, the one I had, last one I had in Paris, I absolutely love this place, you know, and the people. And I think that was the biggest thing because, you know, it's the over the course of those nine years, I I'd, I'd um, made friends who were extremely close, and it was very very difficult to leave Paris, also because. In some ways, you don't want to be away from these people that you care about and 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 that have become in in you know obviously they're not family in the traditional sense, but they become that right when you have lived abroad, you you latch to these things because they mean so much to you. And so Paris had become that, um, and so you have your rituals. So you know at the time um, I had uh, groups of people. I, I had the, the the Swedish group with whom you know uh, we would speak mostly English and a mix of Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had, you know, obviously my 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 French group, mostly people from work, and then I had my university group, and that was sort of mixed French and international. So French, Russian, uh, I well mostly French and Russian actually, and and then Chinese as well, obviously. So I say obviously, it's not that obvious to the listeners. Hello, um, hello to you and if you're listening to this. Um, so the thing is, yeah, so you, you have those multiple groups and, and you negotiate that and then you're constantly playing with your identity. You know, you're, you know, it's very interesting when you're someone who's from Nepal, uh, whose primary language is English and is, is becoming French, you know, it's a very odd place to be. It's a very unique place to be. Even with that, I mean, you went and you landed to France with an yeah. advantage language you landed Again. into France in an advantage of you already been there for six months yeah um and then the work context will start you to bring like friends or you started to create a community yeah. um one of the questions that I normally ask um to to the guests in this podcast is if you can tell me one of the things it's like the hardest of uh, living in a in in a country, or the uh, and the best mo- moment that living in a country moment, or uh, think of living in a country. Yeah. I think France is one of the it's the one that you live the most time of it. And at the end, you are by nationality French right now. So I think yes, only French, <laughs> only French, only French. Yeah, your no father doesn't allow. Yeah, they, they, ah, they don't allow don't, it. They don't allow to have double nationality. No, they don't. Yeah. Okay. They don't know that yet. Well, now they know if they listen to this podcast, but they don't know. <laughs> Technically, the, the Nepalese government doesn't know that I'm French, but okay. the, the constitution says that that's the rules. Yeah. And, so until I'm, now, I'm, I didn't have any Nepalese uh, listener, but that will be interesting. Uh, if now yeah, I have an increase, you're going to get some now. <laughs> you're, it's gonna, you're not, they're going to get the, the, the Nepalese, Nepalese government in. asking me questions. Um, <laughs> the Nepalese, al- al- no. Alert, <laughs> al- alert na- Nepalese government. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say something in the police to calm the calm the number. Okay, what's the news? Short the news. Okay, what's the number? Please joke not to get out. Short the news. So right, so that's yes, exa- exactly what he said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, but yes. sorry, yeah. What was your question? Uh, the question oh, was no, yeah. hard and best moment situation in uh, in a city like France. Just before jumping to the to the, the nationality and things, because I think it's really interesting topic also. Yeah. Okay. So, as you know, I love talk, talking about sort of depressing things or, or, or dark things. I, it's one of really. It's, I love it. Uh, yeah. Because people, the society is so much. You know, loves talking about the only the happy bits. But I, I like. So it's. I mean, obviously, 
you, you always, I mean, towing a line. So you will know this because uh, you, you know, you said Frankfurt became your home, but Frankfurt was also a city where the primary language was German. Mm-hmm. So you can feel very much at home, but there can be very small interactions in which you totally miss all context, right? And then you're like, what? Well, so you know, Definitely. you can relate to that. Yeah. And so the hardest part, I would, I would argue, is. I wouldn't argue this actually. It's I don't even. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what's going to come out of my mouth as I say this, but um, I think the hardest part was, you know, sometimes there, your there's a part of you that's trying to integrate. That's part of you trying to uh, sort of live in a, in a way that is the normal for that city, right? Mm-hmm. And there are times when you know you might be tired, you might be overwhelmed, and then you just want to go back to what's comfortable. And for me, that was English. And uh, that was sort of not having to... So being with friends with whom you don't have to necessarily think about that language sort of barrier. And language is often not... A, but we, I mean, language, the language barrier is a very, very common phrase. But for me, language is often an enabler more than a barrier in most cases. Mm-hmm. But there are times when um, you want to express something you're in a group, in a social situation, you want to express something, you want to integrate because that's a very human desire to want to feel part of whatever social context you're in. And you can't, you know, you simply can't because you realize, well, don't have the rights. You might even have the words. You might even have been able to do that on another day when you were less tired. The language might just flow. But in that particular moment, you can't. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can try but it will be constantly frustrating because you cannot be a part of the social group that you aspire to be a part of. I think that was the hardest part. And that happened quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's a normal common pattern. Like, I think it also happens like a lot of times we reflect other things and other things became much difficult because of communication. Um, yeah, I think it's something that it recurrently appears in the in this podcast, and it's starting to be a pattern inside of this, like language barriers and uh, communication standards and everything. Because of course, if you don't speak the language where you are going to live, um, even if you can live with it, like in a country like Greece, putting the example of where I am right yeah. now, um, people speak English, right? Crazy. But bureaucratical um, processes yeah. are Greek. And people yeah, yeah, who are yeah. working for these bureaucratical processes are Greek. So your daily life in Greece, it's absolutely going to be perfect in English because everyone, even like the really old people, has quite good English. Really? Ne- nearly everyone. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, yeah, they don't... They don't um, um, they only put subtitles in Greek, but the uh, uh, original versions, all this kind changes of things everything. affect, of course. Changes everything. Yeah. Um, but it can frustrate you. I mean, it frustrates in processes, like, for example, official yeah. things or documentation. And you receive like a paper in Greek or in French at that point of time where you were there and you don't understand something because it has more complex language and everything on this really brings a frustration to to the people uh, yeah. but at the end you you ended speaking uh, really good french so you ended yeah. adapting to it yeah actually i mean it goes back to what you said earlier actually if i um i mean you said that uh, 
if you're able to make someone laugh or understand a joke or make a joke in in, in a foreign language, mm-hmm. uh, that's when you've sort of passed a certain threshold or, 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 or made sort of progress beyond a certain point. It's like, it's like when a game, you've gone on to another level. And I think that uh, in France, the, the the initial thing was humor, right? So my humor is is very much, uh, it's very punny. Uh, it's like, like okay, anyway, uh, it's, it's very sort of based on language, playing with language. Um, French humor is also like that, but it re- there's a lot of references to films and events in the past or, or books, things like that. And we don't have that cultural sort of uh, capital uh, you're not able to participate. And that's one of the reasons that French culture is sometimes a bit difficult to access. It's not the case in, I would argue that German humor is easier to access, even though, of course, German humor is also, you know, has that cultural capital, but a lot less, you know, and 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 uh, and to people wondering, the Germans can be really funny. I mean, it's not, uh, you can you can probably, you know, attest to that. Yeah, that does. That, well, in my experience, uh, doing stand-up comedy in Germany was not about the people <laughs> being funny. It, it was more like the people reacting to your yeah. jokes or whatever. Yeah. And that's that's more like the op- the opposite of it. Um, yeah. It's harder to get an audience in Germany. And I that's, that's just a personal opinion in here or from my personal experience. Um, yeah, just going back to the question, as you said, hardest moment communication in terms of like uh integrating where, yeah. where where going introduced to to the communication in, in a country like france um best moment that you you remember for this country like uh the best or the most feeling uh thing that you you can remember well yeah it's it's not one moment but a series of things i think that um i genuinely started feeling at home when obviously you know to Obviously, when you live in live in France, you, you speak French. That's how people are most comfortable with French. And I reached a, a, a point where, you know, I wasn't speaking a foreign language anymore. Uh, of course, it's my it's my third language, technically, more my second in terms of my everyday life. But but you reach a point where I remember one of my one of my uh, that one of those moments where I thought, wow, this is crazy. Is I was very very tired. It was during the Corona lockdowns in in mm-hmm. Paris, which were quite harsh. I was Skyping with a friend, Zooming, but it sounds weird to say I was Zooming with a friend. Um, and at one point, I was very, very tired. For and, you and or for this... millennial people, sorry, but that, that sentence <laughs> was like, does, does, <laughs> does people after 2000 know what Skype is anymore? Um, Gosh, yeah. it, I, I don't know. In my generation, the word Skype became the verb to yes, have a video exactly. call. Having an, yeah. a Skype call, uh, Skyping. How do, yeah, yeah, do the youngins, how do the young people say it now? I don't know. I have no idea, yeah. really. Like, yeah. So you're you're very much part, outside of that in the same way I. <laughs> Cheers to that, mate. Um, no, the no. The thing is, you know, it's um, it, I was, uh, there was a moment when um, I was very very tired, and I and so this was a friend, uh, hello to Lucy, uh, whom, you know, I was normally when I'm tired, I switch to English, don't I? Mm-hmm. And I said, and with 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 this particular friend, we speak both languages. And I told her, "Hey, I'm really really tired. Do you mind if we just speak in French?" <laughs> because okay. it just was it was just more comfortable for me at that point. And I think one of the best moments, um, you know, is or was or have been, depending, um, those moments when you're with your with your very very close friends because you know 
French people are very much into sort of uh, spending a good time together, right? So you have apéro, you have a glass of uh, wine or a few glasses, uh, if you're like my friends. Uh, you have your your charcuterie, you have your your cheese, whatever. It doesn't matter. And you're just having a good time together, an evening after work, perhaps. And you're compl- and you're complaining about like a huge po- time, you know, a huge portion of that time is spent complaining about things. Mm. Uh, but that's all right, you know. You're you're with people. Uh, you don't you don't have to question whether you are acting correctly or not. And you know, initially when you go to a new city, you worry about these things. Am I saying the right things? Am I pronouncing things correctly? Am I, you know, am I uh, have I am I am I is this a cultural faux pas? And then you reach a point where you don't care about these things. You're you're in the company of very good friends, and uh, and you, you've, you've integrated that language into your psyche to the point where, you know, it becomes second nature. Um, and you just say, well, this is, you know, this is not how I expected things to turn out, but this is quite lovely. And sort of, it's not a particular moment, but that whole thing to me. Uh, so, I mean, it's a very weird way to say it. I don't talk like this usually in a very sort of fluffy language, but I fell in love with the, with the culture and the language and the people, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's something that was maybe the best part of it. Nice. I mean, it's a big thing at the end. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, what are we coming back to making a place home? When you yeah. have this sensation, it happens much faster, much faster yeah. that, that you are able to do that in, a, in an easy way. Because if I yeah. put my example in Germany, for example, I didn't start feeling uh frankfurt as home until i met catherine and i right. had a partner there who was from there and whatever yeah. but it was not an environment that dropped me there it was that yeah of course then i started living together with my partner i was starting to yeah. do some some kind of things and that dropped me to uh home it's not anymore a place where my family is where my friends are whatever it's something else uh, in your case it was like a kind of community thing that it was not depending on one person which is more or less a traditional family thing let's say like this right yeah yeah yeah. no but you're right but i mean the common thread though is still it's the people right i mean that's that that yep. it, it comes down to that i mean it's this connection and that was why leaving was so hard because you know it's leaving a city is very very hard and uh i'm doing a lot of sh- i never i didn't plan to do shout outs but i'm now doing shout outs <laughs> uh well there's a shout out to maria uh a very close friend of mine and uh, you know and we were um, she made fun of me for a very long time because you know i was leaving paris and i was leaving the city and 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 you know and she she didn't she didn't like it um and and you know it's but for me i didn't see it as as leaving i saw it as going somewhere but of course for people who are my friends who are staying in paris it is a friend leaving and so you know the fact that she was i don't know if she was angry but but she was not very happy i left in any case let's say it like that um was was lovely you know it was it was it was absolutely lovely that that she was very angry that well very disappointed that I was leaving um i, I mean these are words that that's my interpretation interpretation of it but but that that just means that you've you've got friends that are so close that that it's that makes it hard to leave a city when you've got friends that that, that close i'm i mean that's the kind of uh, relation that you want to pursue, like do you want to maintain over time. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of friends who, when I leave Barcelona, we stopped talking over some time and that was all. Like the people who were sad for me to leave Barcelona are the people who 
I still have contact with. The people who are, when I left Frankfurt, they were saying, okay, I'm sad for you to leave. And I'm happy at the same time. Yeah. So this is the sensation that they had at that moment of time, the dichotomy of saying, hey, man, you're having a new opportunity that is amazing for you, yeah. but it's sad for the relation that we have. These are the people that you are maintaining and that's 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 the valuable people at the end, no? Mm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, and this is why I go back to Paris still every every few every few months. I'm I'm gonna go back in in February, mm. and you know you've got friends like recently. I was I was on the phone with Nina again. I'm continuing that the the, the yeah the names, yeah. yeah yeah. Otherwise, they'll kill me. I think it's not to be nice. Uh, it's self preservation. Uh, yeah, and and she was saying you know so so constantly asking me when are you coming back? When are you coming back? Because you know that's that was one of the things. I mean, I, again, I. I it, Maybe it's it's a European thing. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell, right? But it takes time to make friends. It takes, you know, compared to maybe initially, it's it's people might seem reserved, might seem a bit more, you know, it's the classic example of so they use a coconut, you know, like uh, uh, hard on the outside, soft on the inside. Well, um, could was, also be brown on the outside and white on the inside. That was used by Stefan like last episode, I think. No, two oh, really? episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by Danish people so, versus German people. So yeah. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. What was the what was the hypothesis there? That Danish people are a lot more coconutish than than the Germans are. I would imagine, or the opposite. I, I don't think it. I don't remember if it was comparing it directly for from German people, but he was saying something like uh, there was two kind of people, like the ones with an outer shelf, and then yeah, once you break into it, uh, there is there's soft inside, and the people who is soft uh, from outside, but getting into the deepest uh, things, it's hard. Uh, yeah yeah so yeah yeah and, and you know the i mean like uh, it's I mean, you know this because i think we we i'm jumping the sort of skipping ahead here but when we first met in person right we were hired by the same company and, and the orientation week like the when we started talking to each other and i remember we got a, a drink or two after 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 work uh <laughs> three or four yes yeah all right so a few drinks let's <laughs> you know I, I mean we we weren't just talking about you know we weren't making small talk you were talk, talking to me about your history and your childhood and mm-hmm. and 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 how you grew up and and the sort of stuff that you were up to um you know which you've talked about in, in the podcast uh where you were interviewed a little bit you didn't mention everything um <laughs> So you know, it's 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 that that sort of conversation that that really I I, I enjoy and and so um, so people in my friends in Paris you know gave that to me um, and I only took no that's that's not fair but you know it was a, it's a very it was it was it was a very nice sort of um, social environment I think. Cool. Um, yeah, I think it's just like from. Um cultural i think personally there is different kind of things for example there was this um uh, podcast episode with alex uh the last episode before yours where he was explaining that he lived in other parts of uh, spain and he considered for example that the catalan people are way more reserved than other spanish people and i agree with that like if you go to other parts of spain they are much more open to explain things to you directly right. it enters the personality um of course, in this podcast, at the end, we generalize quite a lot because it's impossible to to to, yeah. to end, and it's about their the experience of the guest and uh, my own experience and, and having the chance right. on it. Um, I think there is two topics that I would like to talk about just before doing the typical last two questions that I ask everyone. <laughs> Go on. First then. of one, it's 
how did you get to have the French nationality? That's yeah. definitely a question that I want to have. And then the last one would be, you've been in Berlin for the last six months. Why you moved to Berlin and how is Berlin compared to Paris? Because this is like <laughs> two of the big capitals um, in there. Like, I want you to make like a little bit of comparison between these two cities. I would love to, if you have like a little bit of comparison, not, not once against each other, but a little bit more like what, what it's different. Yeah. Let's start with the, with the French yeah. uh, citizenship. Let's say like this. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now. Um, so after having lived in France for a couple of years, uh, after, I think after about maybe, I don't know when the thought sort of entered my mind that I, sh I could apply. I mean, Once, if you went to school in France, which I did, uh, I say the word school, I mean, college, you know, the higher studies yeah. in France, it becomes easier to acquire the nationality. Um, and yeah. I think it was, I thought, well, it, I mean, I think it was always at the back of my mind, but at a certain point, it became less of a formality and more something I really wanted to do. As in, uh, I there was a certain point where I thought, maybe perhaps I could even allow myself to feel French. You know, that was a huge jump in some ways because after nine years in a city um all your references all the, the way you think you know they're, they're formed by that city and and the country and and I, i keep talking about paris but of course i i spent some time in other parts of france uh, as well you know i mean um again another shout out i'm sorry i'm not really sorry but i think you know like Kohali, one of my friends introduced me to the to 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 Bretagne in the north and i discovered aviation there so i started you know flying because just you know it's, that that was actually all her right um and some of my friends showed me the the, the south of france as well uh well actually i worked quite a fair bit around toulouse and the thing is i i just loved the city the, the country i just loved it and 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 the variation in it um and then there was there was that and there was also sort of discovering europe and and european nests in some ways through my friends that were german and swedes and you know uh, and that's partially because of one of one of my friends who you know worked in the european parliament that i got even more interested in what, what it meant to be european and the fact that we have a european parliament the fact that you as a citizen can act at a obviously at a local level uh but also at a you know as a european level um So I was thinking about all these, all these things, and I thought, okay, I think I, I, you know, I want to become French, both for uh, for cultural reasons, but also for administrative uh, administrative reasons. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said that uh, you know a French passport is 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 nicer, more practical than having a, a Nepalese passport for traveling. That's you know that's just a fact. Definitely. But but beyond at, that, at you least know, in the European Union. At least, mm, in that sense. yeah. In but our, I think in, in most places, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, in most places. Um, although I think Bhutan is the is one of the exceptions where if you have a Nepalese passport, you don't have to pay the monthly fee. <laughs> I don't really know, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so so, um, but but beyond that, for me, I reached a point where you know I I felt more French, and I wanted to you know becoming French for me meant something more than just the passport. It meant something to me that sort of you know uh that's one of the reasons i i now have a, a second first name felix it was part of sort of my you know sort of uh, it meant it made sense to me it's a very odd decision even now i still complete can't completely come to terms with it but so the nationality thing was okay i'm going to apply for it uh i did 
2019, I think. And it took uh, about nine months, 10 months for the application to be reviewed. Uh, and, you know, in, no, sorry, 2018 okay. is when I applied. And 2019 is when I got the interview and, and became French and had that conversation about cheese. What? So what's the process? Let, let, let me just clarify something. I think if you agree, uh, because of course we are running a little bit out of time, we will yep. do something. We will just uh, finalize the conversation about how you became French. And yeah. then we will record the second episode with you if you agree with that uh, to talk about Germany once you have lived a little bit more in Berlin. So we yeah. can talk about the dichotomy of uh, becoming French and uh, emigrating from becoming French to a different country. Um, yeah. If that's okay for you, then uh, the question would be, what is the process? What, what what brings you to become friends? Because I, I think it's really interesting. Like the last episode, we were talking about the visa process of a Macedonian person to become um, in the yeah. green card of a European Union in, in Spain. I think it's it's something that interests a lot of people. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with uh, when to become French, it depends where you're from, obviously. If you're from the, within the European Union, mm -hmm. it's, the process is, is simpler. Uh, as are most things if you're within, you know, the yeah. union. Um, so I was coming from uh, what's called a third country, right? So from Nepal, uh, any country would not, not, not within the European Union. The advantage I had, as you mentioned earlier, was that I, was, I, had, I had sort of completed my higher studies in France. Uh, that helps. And if I, if I go even further, uh, and this is something I critique about uh, France, is that if you go to a school like Sciences Po, you are given privileges that other people aren't. It's not fair. You know, I mean, I, the fact that I, I, I went to Sciences Po should not make things easier for me than other, than other people, but that is sort of the truth. So I benefited from it. I don't agree with it. Nevertheless, that helped me. Um, one, so, one, yeah. one question just before we, we continue with that. So until the point that you become French... What was your situation in France? So you needed to request a visa every X time or you needed ah, to... Ah, right. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, gosh, uh, yeah, right. That's a good point. That's a really good... I, I, I've completely glossed over that. So I had initially, uh, you have a, a yearly sort of visa mm -hmm. uh, as a full-time worker. You have a... Well, it's not a visa. You, it's called the... Bloody hell. Titre de séjour which is your residence permits, right? Mm -hmm. And the titre séjour is what, the visa system doesn't really work that, that way in France uh, because the visa is just to enter and your residence permit is what lets you stay. It's good so I had, renovated, yeah. Yeah, and so I had one for, for a worker. Uh, initially, it was limited to a certain region, Ile-de-France, where Paris is, mm -hmm. to a certain job title, so UX. Uh, and that, that was it, I couldn't change. And, and, and a certain employer, As the years go by, it changes. Then you, you, it, it says you can work anywhere in France, blah, blah. And eventually I got the, the five-year visa. So I wasn't renewing every year. It was just a five-year residency permit as a... Which is not uh, a green card. Not at all. Uh, because there is, there is a European blue card, uh, which is, uh, it gives you 10-year residency. If you mm -hmm. get a, it's a high-paying job and a high 
demand job, something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, didn't even apply to this because I directly applied for the nationality within those five years the okay. time span. But I could have renewed that those five years almost indefinitely if I wanted to. I could have constantly renewed it. But but I, I wanted to vote. I, I you know like we've got the elections next year in, in France. I, I wanted to vote. I wanted to sort of you know. Um, Con- like make that a bit more concrete, I think. And so I applied for the nationality directly. And and you can apply for the nationality if you have lived in France for five years. Okay. But if you, from, regardless of what country you're from, um, as long as you, you know, can speak the language, you can prove that you speak French and all that. But in my case, since I'd gone to school in France, I could have done it after two years. I didn't. I applied after my seventh year in France, I, it, I wasn't in a rush, but I just, I applied after my seventh year, I believe sixth or seventh year in France. Yeah. And then the process goes through the same, like kind of immigration process that other uh, non-European uh, citizens might apply. Like you need to do this kind of cultural uh, exams and language exams and everything. But actually, I mean, if I'm completely honest, it's very, very it's it's by a case by case basis i had i done the ex- exam many many years ago when i had considered applying earlier but the exam was already sort of expired the results were expired i don't know what that makes i mean how can results expire i don't know but it had and when i applied for real this time i just told i just showed them my diploma and the fact that i'd taken courses in french mm. and that was enough to prove the, the language and of course the interview the interview obviously if you say you can speak french and they interview you and you can't that's not very good um, uh, but you, you send all your documents. I had to actually, since I'd lived in the U S I had to get, and this is crazy, a document from the FBI saying that I was not a criminal. <laughs> I didn't have a record with the FBI. So the, <laughs> this is Keep crazy that I had to ask. I'm crazy. I mean, you know, but the yeah. FBI, I mean, you know, I almost wished that they had something to say about me, but that would be terrible. But you know, you kind of want to be known. And so you do that, you submit all the, all the paperwork. Um, and, Shockingly, sorry, but since since Trump, uh, you're belonging to an Antifa group and you're a terrorist, so it doesn't really matter. You have everything in FBI right now. <laughs> oh gosh, I remember that story you told me about the the, the t-shirt. I uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, well, we'll maybe now episode two we'll get into that. Uh, no, but yeah, no. So I, the, I you apply, send all the documents. You get a uh, call for an interview. And that was the interesting bit because, you know, you, 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 in the interview, they can ask you things. Like mm-hmm. they asked me a couple of things about France, about the history, about the, um, the laicity, which is, there's a hard, uh, does the word exist in, in Spanish? Laicity, it's like separation of church and state, essentially. Yeah. I, I don't know how to translate it in English, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's secular, secular, secularism, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, secularism is not quite it doesn't quite englobe all the aspects of it, but you know, we are we talked about the 1905 law that made laicite, you know, uh, that made France laïque, of course except Alsace. <laughs> That's another story. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know, and then and then we talked about that and then I, and then they uh, the lazy asked me to name every single French president in the Fifth Republic in order. <laughs> When I told her I went to Sciences Po, she said, "Well, you you went to a political science college. You should know this." Um, I did, but but that was you know that <laughs> that was, I was I wasn't prepared to, for that question really. really. I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah. She they asked ask me to list every to single name, every single 
president of France. President of Fifth Republic. First, first. No, uh, president. Yeah, so since De Gaulle, right? Uh, don't ask me to do it now because I think I'll get the order, order wrong. I, I obviously know all of them, but I, don't, I might get the order wrong. Obviously, um, that's not obvious. Like if you ask me all the, I mean, maybe there are Spanish ones. I can tell you them in, mm, I will mistake them on the Catalans. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'm able to do that. I mean, most people can't. I mean, even it doesn't, even most people who are, who are natural, so born citizens can't, you know, it's, it's not, you know, no, there aren't very that's, many. That's my goal. point. Like, why they are you ask they they are asking you this question like what is this like the point of uh, being a no no she said no she said to be fair she said this was this was beyond I mean she asked I mean she told me it doesn't your answers if you, if you make a mistake it doesn't matter she she was she was having fun essentially uh, okay. the, the interview is so so, yeah. so I'm having fun with your citizenship that that's bullshit <laughs> sorry like what the hell no 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 but to be fair okay I'll tell you okay this, this will make more sense when I tell you how the interview was set up so the lazy you know invited me to the little booth where you you know mm. she goes to the documents first first 15 minutes are spent to make sure all the documents are in order right so she's the agent in charge she checks if there are things missing and actually there were some things missing and she just asked me to email it to them like literally take a photo of, of it with my phone i mean it was crazy for france and so we you know we, we do this we do this and um and interestingly uh, at one point we talk about yeah, quite early in the interview, she's like, you know, so, you know, do you know what the the national anthem of France is? I mean, yeah, okay, La Marseillaise, okay, no, I didn't ask me to sing it. Sometimes they do. Yeah, yeah, I, I, like I, I mean, I love it. So. Like a football player. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the football players famously didn't sing it, so it was a problem. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. And so I I didn't have the choice, but I mean, she didn't ask me. And then she asked me a couple of other questions. But then at one point, she asked me, you know. So, like, uh, do you know anything about you know French food? And I was like, well, do I know anything about French food? That's and the only I thing got, that I know. <laughs> I know it's the only thing I know. And food and drink, right? And then and I started talking about, it. and then um, I said, well, I can name you some dishes that I really, really like, and I did. But I said I'd rather talk to you about cheese, and and ears just sort of you know perked up. I said, oh, what about cheese? And then you know I and. and we talked about cheese for a bit and I said, well, you know, I, I have my favorites. Don't know if you have yours. She said, what is it then? And I said, um, it, there's a cheese called Fumo d'Ambert. It's a cheese, it's a blue cheese from Auvergne. The, it's blue, I mean, from the central region of France. Uh, and the Fumo d'Ambert is, is, is a lovely, lovely cheese. It's, it's you know, slightly sharper than, a uh, say, for example, a gorgonzola. Mm. Uh, but you can use it in cooking as well. Like, it's a lovely cheese. I, I think once I mentioned that, she wrote in a file, done, he's French, approved. closed the file, you know, <laughs> approved. And everything after that was just for fun. And at that point, uh, she, approved she, by cheese. <laughs> approved by cheese. Yeah, that's an official thing in France, by the way. Yeah, approved par, par le fromage. It's yes. an official seal. Yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> that'd be brilliant. Approved by cheese. Uh, so yeah, I, I went. And, and then after, the thing is, like, after that, she just was having a conversation. She wanted to make it quite light. And so she was just essentially choking about since you went to a uh, political science school can you answer this and she told me right off the bat it doesn't matter if you can't because most mm. people can't yeah okay. great so that was the process of becoming french yeah I would don't say... ask me about the ceremony don't tell me ask but the ceremony was shite it was the shittiest ceremony you've ever had <laughs> but yeah anyway 
yeah, that was the, that's the. We are running out of time for this episode. Um, yeah, we are. Actually, we are past the time normally, so that's uh, good one. <laughs> um, just keeping in mind that we will keep Germany for the next time, and yeah. we will make the transition between f- becoming a French and yeah. uh, immigrating again. So you renew your homeland officially and yeah. immigrate to Madness. Berlin. I have two yep. questions that I ask everyone. Uh, first one, it's any recommendation that you will say to people who want to immigrate to the countries where you have emigrated to? Okay, I'll answer that very quickly. I think if you are going to France, then people have lots of, um, this applies to anything, but uh, preconceptions about France, um, you know, have them, that's fine. But once you're there, uh, just give it some time. It takes some time before you're able to really uh, understand things. And and not everything is logical in France. Not everything is good in France. There are lots of things that I criticize about France uh, that you, of course, can criticize as well. But if you really want to appreciate French culture and, and the French people, give it some time. It takes time. And and if you are willing to do that, I think uh, you'll it'll be worth it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think it applies to a lot of uh, places, but yeah, I think there is some prejudices against uh, France in a lot of, like, especially countries surrounding it. And it's it's worth it to get in it and explore it, like, at least. Don't... Cheese eating surrender monkeys is, is what we're <laughs> called. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, last question. Any project that you want to promote? I know you have a podcast, so don't tell me that you don't have any project to promote. Um, Anything that you are working on? I think you have enough personal things. Go on. I think think you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yeah. Go on then. All right. Yeah. All right. So there's, I've got a podcast. If you're into aviation, so I'm talking about general aviation, so private pilots, stuff like that. If you're interested in flying, I've got a podcast. Uh, I've got a, Podcast? No, I've got a podcast Broadcast. called your yeah, podcast. Yeah, I can't speak anymore. Uh, I've got a podcast called Ground Effects Aviation Podcast. It's on all you know major sort of platforms. Uh, you can go listen to it. And you allow me, uh, I've also released a new uh, electronic music EP. Uh, my music project is called Snow Circuit. Uh, that's snow, like you know, snow that you get in December like in Columbia some places, thing. and. Oh. Oh gosh, <laughs> bloody hell! Why'd you do that, man? <laughs> Not like the Colombian thing, like snow and circuits, like a circuit board. I'm going to ignore what you just said. <laughs> and, and 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 the album is called uh, the EP is called Thought, Thought Machine. So if you like uh, electronic music, uh, oh, you know what? Even if you don't like it, go on, try something new for once. Go on then. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> there you go. That's all. We will we will put it uh, without the Colombian thing in the recommendations. Um, both of the you can't now you've said it again so you can't remove it so just keep it in the colombian thing it will be the title of the the lp great thank you and also also i would like to also you know promote you know world peace and you know we you know there you go world peace here we come back to the hippies of the united states (laughs) uh so yeah yeah. we will put that uh two projects in the in the um, um social media links yeah um and if you 
definitely are into aviation, just go to Parimal Podcast. I listen to it. I'm not into aviation and I still listen to it. So it's doable. Um, <laughs> I've got an American accent, by the way, in, in most of my podcasts. So I, I, I'm going to change it eventually because I feel like I'm faking it. But uh, I have, yeah. So if you want to hear my American accent, that's, that, that could be a, like a, an ad- advertising sort of thing, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. If you are into American accent, go to the aviation podcast <laughs> of Paramount Hotel. Um, if you are not into American accent, go to the Snow Circle uh, LP of uh, Paramount Hotel. Circuit, uh, not circle. Circuit, damn it. Circuit, circle. Um, there we go. One of the two. Thanks a lot yeah. for this episode. Uh, uh, thank you so much for having one. me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And cheers. Cheers.